Chapter 13 Rescuing the Children Zora woke early the next morning, long before the sun had risen on the world below them. Although he hated to admit it as he rose from his brilliantly flame-patterned sheets, he was nervous. He had realized a long time ago that he was always nervous when he knew there was a final, a large battle was nearing. He still wasn't completely comfortable with putting his life online, despite the large amount of time he had spent fighting and training. Today, however, he was far more anxious than usual. Maybe the fact that he had now maybe the fact that he had now finally told Kyrie how he felt and he was anticipating a bright future with her at his side was making him even more uncomfortable with risking his neck. Despite the noble reasons for doing so, Sora donned his sh a t-shirt and blue housecoat and left his room as quietly as his whooshing door sound would allow and began wandering the ship. He needed something to do with his hands and something to calm him down, to soothe his nerves. He passed by the kitchen and remembered that he had put a frozen chicken in the refrigerator to thaw on the first day when he and Kyrie had come up to the ship for showers. Turning to face the kitchen, one thought went through his mind. Why not? Kyrie stirred in her slumber underneath the rose-colored blankets the fairies had made for her bed. She, she, though, she thought she could smell something in her dream, something like stuffing. Her eyes snapped open as she woke up and she yawned while she stretched, closing her eyes again. She sniffed once, and her blue eyes snapped open again. She wasn't imagining the smell. Grabbing a pink housecoat, she placed it over her white tank top she was wearing and left her room, following the smell. The fragrances of the flowers in the hallway couldn't mask the aroma coming from the kitchen. Peering in through the doorway, Carrie beheld a sight she, had, she thought she had never, she never thought she would see this early in the morning. Sora was inside the kitchen, wearing a black t-shirt and a pair of black fennel short boxers, both of which were covered in the front by his white apron. A blue housecoat lying abandoned on the table, he was busying himself with a bowl of something on the counter, and appeared and didn't appear to have noticed her yet. Taking a stride, Carrie stepped into the kitchen, her bare foot making a soft slapping sound on the maple floor. Sora turned and saw her walking towards him, slowly his face showing a look of surprise. Morning, Kai, he said, turning his back on the bowl and facing Kyrie. She smiled at him, but looked inquisitively behind him. What are you doing so early in the morning, Sora? She asked, trying to sneak a peek of, at the bowl he was hiding. Sora snied and made way for her to take a look. Inside the bowl were small pieces of bread, some onion, and seasoning. Kyrie looked up at him. Stuffing? Sora nodded slowly and Kyrie began giggling at him. Why are you making stuffing at six in the morning, Sora? Sora looked around anxiously. Promise you won't laugh, he pleaded hurriedly. Kyrie kept giggling at him. Okay, she said. I promise. Sora sighed and began stirring a little milk into the bowl. It's just something I do, he said after a pause. Whenever I know there's a battle coming and I have the time, I end up getting nervous and I need something to do with my hands. Something to take my mind off the chance of death. Something creative instead of destructive. Something... Carrie pl suddenly placed a finger to his lips to silence him. Something you can put your heart into? She asked peacefully. She asked quietly. Sora nodded as they gazed into each other's eyes. They broke their gaze as they slowly fell into each other's arms. Sora rubbed his cheek into Carrie's silky red hair, quietly appreciating her presence and smelling her sickly sweet perfume. Silently they stood in that hug for what seemed like hours until Sora broke the silence. 
Thanks for understanding, Kyrie, he said. Kyrie nodded as she rubbed his back. No problem, Sora. Kyrie opened her eyes again and looked back into the bowl, still rubbing Sora's back. Sora? She asked. Where's the rhubarb? Sora's head rose suddenly and they stopped caressing each other. Rhubarb? He questioned, pulling back. Kyrie nodded at him. Yeah, rhubarb, she repeated, going to the aprons and by the spice, by the spice rack and grabbing one. What's stuffing without rhubarb? She asked rhetorically. A good one, Sora chuckled sarcastically. Kyrie grimaced at him. If it weren't for your, car if it weren't for your sarcasm, she advised, you'd make a good chef. Her marker was only in passing, but it stuck in Sora's mindset. A keyblade master, he thought, becoming a chef. Kyrie looked at him and seemed to know what he was thinking. Why not? They both said at the same time. Suddenly, suddenly the same idea was forming in each of their minds. A restaurant, Sora proposed, taking Carrie's hand in his. You'd be head chef, Carrie continued. You could handle the finances, Sora said. It could be family run. We could get, we could get, we could get help started, starting from Tifa. She runs a bar. Our parents might help us with a loan. I could get recipes from all the worlds we visit. And we could teach our what and we could teach whatever kids we have the joy of cooking, Carrie said, smiling at her love. And all of our friends would come and eat, Sora said, and we'd all and we'd all sit around a special table and remember our adventures together. It would be perfect, they both said in unison, drawing close and kissing briefly before turning back to the stuffing. While Carrie worked on said stuffing, Sora fetched the bird from the fridge and placing it and placed it on a cutting board. Carrie looked in, at the chicken as Sora handled it. Is that thawed? she asked. Sora smiled at her and nodded his head. Carrie grinned and grabbed a handful of stuffing and began loosely packing it into the cavity when a voice spoke behind them. What's going on? the voice said. The two teens whooped around to see Max standing in the doorway, a hand to his tired head. They smiled sheepishly at Max and turned back around to the chicken. We're making a victory roast for today, Sora said, piling more stuffing in. Max shook his head tiredly as he approached the two. So you guys are making a roast chicken, he recapped, at a quarter of six in the morning, in your underwear. Carrie froze and looked herself over. Indeed, she was wearing only an undershirt and her lower undergarments. The housecoat she had previously covered them, lying abandoned next to Sora's. Yet she hadn't seemed to notice because the apron she had on. Carrie could feel her face growing hot, and she couldn't decide whether to stay facing Max, leaving her crimson face wide open, or turn her back on them and the implications that now had. Her resolve suddenly appearing, she stayed facing Max, her ruby red face defying him, while Sora faced the chicken, a blanch rampant on his cheeks. How could I be so stupid? Carrie chastised. Max continued his teasing, encouraged rather by the rather than swayed by their coyness. Anything happened last night? He asked with a smirk. Sora turned around to face him while Carrie glared him down, the red still emblazoned on their face. Nothing happened! They both shot at him. We didn't do anything! Max kept his smirk on his face, and his last remark came as a drawl while he left the kitchen. Yeah, sure. Nothing. Carrie sighed expressed exasperatedly, and turned back to the bird, fuming. Sarah was just as frustrated and accidentally stabbed the bird with a baster before quickly checking to see if he did any damage. 
Carrie giggled slightly at him, praying that the red was gone from her cheeks, and Sora turned his head back to her. They smiled. They both knew nothing had happened the previous night, and nothing was going to happen today, and nothing was going to happen for a long while. And that was all that mattered. It was now into the it was now in the late morning, and Sora and Carrie and Max had come down for the high wind to participate in the final battle against Hook. Sora noted with a pang earlier when he changed back into his black adventuring outfit that it felt rather grungy and unclean, and resolved that they should stop by the Radiant Garden for a couple days for Merlin to teach them and carry some domestic magic use like cleaning and cooking spells as soon as they as soon as they appeared, Roxas and Nominate arrived from their heads in a brilliant flash of light, wielding keyblades. Nominate was wielding Alan's fair as usual, yet Roxas was carrying two different keyblades, both of them a foot longer than any other keyblade. One was almost completely silver with a few with a floor the lee near the tip, and what appeared to be a lion's head as the point and keychain. The other had purple sides to its hilt and a red handle. Two black spikes protruded from where the hilts met the base at an angle. The keyblade's blade itself truly looked like a key with tra with small trapezoids instead of metal missing from its sides. Although the tip was slightly round, around the base of the blade were wrapped several bandages and the key and the keychain was a wolf was of a wolf's head. Sora looked inquiringly at his nobody and folded his arms. Roxas, he asked, why are you wielding the sleeping lion in Fenrir? Roxas turned to him. Well, as you know, he explained, I normally wield the Oathkeeper in Oblivion. However, you and Kyrie also wield the Oathkeeper in Oblivion. This way we don't get confused as to whose keyblade is whose. Namne smiled at him and as Sora molded over. Nice explanation, she said. Suddenly, Peter walked up to them wearing green with Rufio by his side. You guys ready? He asked. The five teenagers made expressions in the affirmative. Yep, Sora said, and we have, and everyone is stocked up on high potions. Rufio looked inquiringly at him. I thought you guys were good, he asked. We are, Carrie explained. The potions aren't for us. They are for the parrots we fight. Rufio became highly surprised. You're going to heal the pirates you fight? He asked incredulously. Max nodded. We only kill heartless and nobodies. Not, he said, not living people. Rufio shook his head. Do what you want. Just don't be surprised if they attack you, even after you've healed them. Rufio, Peter looked annoyed at Rufio. They must attack them again, he said. They'll be grateful. Some of them are probably fathers and would rather not be fighting anyway. Which reminds me, I have a plan to save my kids. The company looked brightly at Peter. Great, Roxas explained. What is it? Peter just smiled at them. You'll see, was all he said. The company of the Lost Boys had assembled in the town and hidden in one of the town's buildings that bordered Hook's ship. The Lost Boys were arrayed in armor made of coconut husks, bamboo shoots, and wooden slots, and most of them carried cutlasses, while a few held machinations of some, of some sorts. Below them on the waterfront was some wooden vessel the boys had erratic erected that would enable some of them to board Hook's ship. They were all waiting in silence for Peter's signal, and Sora felt himself grow nervous again. Carrie threw a glance at him while she gripped the Oathkeeper to see his anxious face. She loosened her grip on her keyblade and wrapped an arm around her shoulder. Sora turned his head while he clasped a hand around on hers. No words needed to be said between them, 
as Carrie radiated all the comfort that Sora needed. A comfort silence, a comforting silence passed between them as the warriors all waited, all around waited with bated breath. Roxas was fingering the tip of the, of the sleeping lion. Nominee was pacing, and Max was resting his back on the wall. Sora tore his eyes away from Kyrie and glanced at Hook's ship. That's a fair bit of water, he thought as he surveyed the distance. He then glanced at Roxas and Nominee. They don't have the ability to fly yet, he realized. They both looked up at him and stalked towards him. They give him the ability to fly, Roxas half ordered in a joking whisper. Sora chuckled, then drew the box out of his pocket again before sprinkling the precious dust on the nobodies. Roxas threw Sora an inquiring glance. Just happy thoughts? He asked telepathically. Yep, Sora replied. Just one. Roxas nodded and gazed at Nomine, his heart melting as he beheld her and as he beheld her in her splendor. As she gazed at his handsome figure, suddenly both of their feet lifted a few inches off the ground. Before anything else could happen, they heard Peter's signal. Bangarang! They all heard him yell. At once, each warrior assembled, leapt into action. Leaving their hiding place, the company and the lost boys came out of the wooden balcony of the building they were hiding in, observing Peter trapped under a net of at least ten cutlasses pointing at his neck. Jack decked out as a younger Hook, and Hook standing on the bridge as they let loose their war cry. Bangarang, they answered. The pirate's attention was suddenly drawn away from Peter towards a mighty arm uh, towards the army of youth that were now swinging on ropes towards them, still shouting the war cry. Sora leapt into the air and flew straight for Peter, his whole party by his side. With a mighty aerial slash, Sora cut the net that bound Peter with with the net broken, Peter threw it off. Thanks, Sora, he said. Sora nodded his head as voices as Hook's voice filled the air. Call out the village militia, his hook. His hook hooked on Smee's collar. We'll need every last man. Smee nodded as his captain released him and, and ran to the bell. If there's anyone not, if there's anybody not fighting, he yelled as he ran. Hit the more lost boys swinging onto the ship. Get here quick! Sora, watch out! Carrie yelled as she battled a pirate. Instantly, Sora turned around and met the falling blade as one of the pirates with the oblivion. He looked into the stunned face of the pirate as he overpowered the older man's strength and brutally, and brutally shoved his cutlass aside. As soon as the weapon was down, Sora delivered a slash to the pirate's ribs. The man howled in agony and clutched his chest, dropping his forgotten blade. Sora looked sympathetically at the man and pulled out one of the high potions he had. Here, let me heal you, he said, kneeling down and spraying a, a small portion of the bowel's contents on the wound. The man was stupefied as he looked at the healing wound and then at Sora. Why are you doing this? He asked, Sora stunned. Sora, looked at him. Sora stood and looked at him. I don't kill other people, was all he said, before turning on another pirate who was about to stab him. Hook smiled admirably at his actions. Ah, very good form, Sora, he called. You and your friends are very intriguing, fighting my men only to heal them after you beat them. Good show, good form. Sora ignored him as he continuously fought pirates to the other side of his ship, his friends by his side. Eventually, he found himself fighting next to Kyrie, and they began talking joyously as they fought and healed their adversaries. You still nervous, Sora? She asked playfully as she twisted her neck 
to avoid one pirate's lunge. Sora smirked at her as he bloodied up another pirate before healing him. Nope, he answered, spraying the high potion on the pirate's fresh wounds. The thrill of batter, battle takes the uneasy nerves away. Kyrie nodded as she deftly avoided another attack. She pointed her keyblade at the pirate's hand that held the sword that was attacking her. Lazara! A shard of ice flew out of the Oathkeeper's tip and froze the pirate's hand. He dropped his cutlass and Kyrie used one of her high potions to heal his hand. Form ranks! Peter suddenly commanded. The lost boys and warriors of light formed up near Peter on the stern side of the ship while Hook and his men formed ranks on the bow. Let's get ready to f show them the white lights we're made of, boys, Peter yelled, pacing in front of his troops. Remember the fires from hell that forged you, Hook roared. Charge! The pirates charged at the solid line of composing of Peter's men and friends. Now, Peter ordered, slashing his brown sword blade towards downwards. The lost boys in the front rank revealed polished shiny mirrors and directed them at the par oncoming pirates' faces, blinding them. I'll help, Carrie raised as her as she raised her left hand. A brilliant radiance began to emanate from her outstretched hand, greatly aiding the Lost Boys' blinding efforts. We'll show you who's chicken, Peter taunted. Watch this. At his command, a Lost Boy came up the rear, carrying a large shotgun-type weapon that had a chicken sitting atop a basket of eggs. While the pirates were blinded, the Lost Boy fired eggs from his shotgun towards straight into their faces. The empty shot, the empty eggshells dropping to the deck. Buck, 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 Peter said while looking at the, while looking at the chicken. The shotgun fired again. Bakar! Out, out of ammo, the shotgun-wielding boy retreated and the mirror-carrying boys fell back as well. The pirates would have surged forward had they not been blinded by Carrie's light still emanating from her palm as beads of sweat formed on her brow as she struggled to keep it up. You almost ready? She asked another lost boy hurriedly, throwing a glance behind her. A boy with fair skin, wielding some machination of war, stepped forward and positioned himself in the breach in the wall. Ready, he declared, his fingers twitching on the triggers. Carrie nodded. Have at them, she ordered before dropping her light and collapsing into Sora's arms, the oblivion disappearing from his hands. The pirates surged forward, and the Lost Boys began his barrage. Hook looked on in, in stunned wonder as dozens of marbles came shooting out of, his, of the twin barrels on his weapon, tripping the, uh, tripping the pirates up. Sora anxiously held onto, onto Kyrie in his arms as Peter Rufio, the Lost Boys, Max, Roxas, and Nomine began fighting the pirates again. Although, if they could have spared a glance, Sora and Kairi would, would have noticed that Namine wasn't fighting as in-depthly as anymore. Kairi weakly held her head in one hand as the fighting continued all around them. You okay? Sora asked anxiously. Kairi weakly nodded her head as she stood herself up against Sumli Lil. Yeah, she said. I just used too much of my light there. I'll need to control the amount I use in the future. Sora nodded grimly while Kairi steeled herself to the to head into the fray again. Before she could, Sora grabbed her arm and spun her around, drawing her into a hug. Carrie smiled and eagerly hugged him back. I love you, Sora said, giving her a chest kiss on the cheek. Carrie went one step further and kissed him back on the lips. I know, she said when they broke apart before giggling, and I love you too, so be careful out there. 
Sora grinned as he heaved the Oblivion onto his shoulders. Aren't I always? He asked rhetorically before using Quick Run to dive straight into the middle of a pack of foes. Kyrie grinned as he watched as she watched Sora dispatch all of them before healing them with a cure spell. That's the Sora I know, she thought. She heard a sound behind her and raised her keyblade to block a strike a pirate was making for her head. Kyrie shoved the pirate's blade away with her own and sliced his chest, pulling out a high potion in the process and healing it directly after. Sora, Kyrie, Max, they heard Peter yell. Max is in trouble. Kyrie looked up to see Peter flying through the sh- through the air above the ship towards a building's balcony. She rose from the ground to join Sora and Max as they flanked him. The four of them landed on the balcony and rushed in. Seeing the little girl in a white nightgown being carried on the back of the large pirate. Daddy! Maggie cried as she saw him. Hang on, Maggie! Peter yelled as a pirate ran up and with and crossed blades with him. Wait, ain't you? He, the pirate said, ain't you? Peter Pan, Peter answered. Rather than facing Peter, the pirate leapt out of the balcony. The four ran after the pirate that was carrying Maggie, who put her down and drew his blade with a flourish. Peter leapt forward and began dueling with the man while Sora, Carrie, and Max ran forward to see if Maggie was all right. Everything's going to be just fine, Maggie, Carrie said sweetly as she knelt down, but Maggie wasn't listening. She was staring at her father with unknown fascination. Peter pans my, she said quietly. Dad? Sora and Carrie laughed a little and Maggie suddenly realized they were there. Carrie, Sora, she exclaimed upon seeing them. You're here too? Carrie nodded. Everything's going to be just fine, Maggie, Carrie repeated, lifting the Oath Keeper so Maggie could see it. The child stared at the blade. The Keyblade, so, key Sora said, stepping forward to show Maggie his. Wendy was telling a true story back in the nursery. Maggie's eyes whined at the weight of what he said hit her. Are you really, are you the really real Sora? She asked, looking up at him. Sora chuckled as he knelt down ne- next to Kyrie. Yes, I'm the real Sora, he answered before glancing at Peter, who was still fighting the pirate. Your dad's changed a lot since we fought with Donald Goofy and me. So if you're the real Sora, Maggie began as she quickly swiveled her head to look at Kyrie, then you're the real Kyrie. The aforementioned teen giggled as she nodded her crimson-covered head. Maggie's expression changed as into a thoughtful one. But you don't look as old as my dad. That's because we're from another world, Maggie, Carrie explained. She then pointing at Max, who was keeping watch. And Max is from another world, too. He's Goofy's son. Oh, Maggie said once she saw Max, finding him a little too weird for the moment. She turned back to Sora and Carrie. So, what is your world like? The two laughed at her before beginning. Well, Carrie began, the world we're from is called Destiny Islands. It is a perfect tropical paradise apart from school. There, there are sandy beaches, white beaches, and palm and coconut trees. There's a special tree on the on an island. Soren, our friends go to called a paupu tree. The fruits from the paupu tree is said to be magical, Sora explained. The beginnings of tears starting to form on his and Carrie's eyes. Legend has it, those who share one will have their destinies entwined forever. The decision to share one is almost as big as for some as it is to get married. And it's a sign of the greatest love a person can have for another. Suddenly, Sora choked up before his... He said his next words. I wonder if anyone will ever be able to share a papu again. 
Maggie suddenly became aware of the tears that were silently streaming down Sora's and Carrie's cheeks. Sora, Carrie, she asked, why are you crying? Carrie wiped the tears off of her face and she looked at Maggie. Because the islands were attacked by Heartless and one of Mopsen's henchmen, she explained. We don't know what condition they're in, if our friends are still there or even if our parents are okay. And Sora continued shakily, the one who... The one most sent is from, is different from any foe we've fought before. Even her name fills my heart with despair. With her power, she could easily kill me or turn me into a heartless if it weren't for Kyrie's light. Max shifted uneasily by the balcony. They're so close, he thought, to finding out Wilson's plan. I could just tell them, but then I'd be disobeying the last orders the King Mickey gave me just before we left. As he struggled whether to tell them or not, Peter shoved a large statue on top of the pirate he was fighting and rushed to Maggie. Maggie, he cried joyously, not noticing the somber expressions on the two teenagers who were now hugging each other for comfort at remembering their home. Daddy, Maggie, Maggie exulted as she was lifted up into his arms. I'm not going to lose you again, Peter said softly to his daughter. Daddy, Hook still has Max. Maggie reminded. We still need to help him. Peter's face hardened. Well, let's get your brother back, Peter said before turning his head to see Sora and Kyrie still weeping silently and holding each other. I don't think you two are f fit to fight anymore, he said, surveying them. The two looked up at him and nodded. Yeah, they breathed out. Peter smiled grimly. Max, he snapped. Get them to help the lost boys make the pirates surrender and stay with them. I'll go help Jack. I'll go get Jack. Max nodded at him and stepped forward, stepped towards Sora and Kyrie. Guys, he said, holding out his hands. They let their keyblades vanish and grabbed Max's hands, getting lift back up to their feet. Together, the three lightly dropped down onto the street and helped gather up the surrounding pirates' weapons. Hey, Roxas asked as he and Nominee strode up to them. What's up? Kyrie looked skeptically at them. As if you don't know, she asked. Nominee shrugged. We don't need read your thoughts all the time, she said. We can miss things, you know. Sora and Kyrie looked almost relieved as if they had some measure of privacy of their own thoughts. Yet the feeling was quickly squashed as they remembered what had made them so down in the first place. We were thinking about home, Sora said. He left his sentence there. No more needed to be said between the four of them. Suddenly, Peter landed next to them all, carrying Jack on his shoulders. Thud, Ace, and a few other lost boys ran up to Peter, calling for a victory feast. Captain Hook was was ran was yelling. Captain Hook ran was yelling at them from the upper deck. Come back here, Peter, and fight me, he ordered. Peter shouldered Maggie and began to walk away. You need a mother very, very badly, Maggie yelled. Hook ran down to the gangplank, stopping so that Smee could flip the stairs to the red carpet again. If you don't fight me now, Peter, I swear, wherever you go, wherever you are, there will always be daggers bearing notes signed James Hook following you, Hook yelled. They will be flung at the doors of your children's children's children. Peter stopped and put Maggie down. He turned around to face the man that had vexed him for most of his life. What do you want, old man? Peter asked. Hook pointed his hook at Peter. Just you. Peter drew a sword. You got me, James Hook, Peter said, flying up to Hook. Pan the adventurers back. Hook smiled at him Smee, as Smee removed his red overcoat. 
and the hook is waiting, Peter Pan. Hook drew his sword in a flash of smoke, and their blades met with a musical clang. No, I remember you were a lot bigger, Peter said. To a ten-year-old, I'm huge, Hook retorted, swinging his sword at Peter. Peter flipped backwards in the air and flew down into town, into the town, Hook, Hook following. Peter whipped around as Hook slashed at him. Now you die, Peter, Hook taunted. To die would be a great adventure, Peter countered. Death is the only adventure you have left now, Hook spat before attacking again. The two mortal enemies began lunging, slashing, thrusting, and parrying constantly as Peter fell back, flaunting his sword and taunting Hook. They had arrived at a blacksmith's shop when Hook thrust Peter down next to the grindstone, metallic sparks flying from Hook's from his Hook's tip. You know, you're not really Peter Pan, you know, Hook said. This is all just a dream. When you wake up, you'll just be Peter Banning, a cold, selfish man who drinks too much, is obsessed with success, and runs and hides from his wife and children. Peter glanced at his friends and children. I believe in you, Maggie whispered. I believe in you, Ace repeated. I believe in you, Sora, Carrie, Max, and the nobody said. You're the Pan, Thud said, and Jack nodded his head. You are Peter Pan, he said. Ting suddenly flew in front of Jack. I believe in you, she said, and Peter took strength from all the support he was gaining. Peter Pan, with a great shove, Peter threw James Hook off him and onto the ground, Hook's sword growing Wide, Peter picked up the fallen blade and, after a moment's hesitation, held the hilt out to Hook. The captain took his sword in his right hand and he sliced the hook on his left on his left on Peter's arm. Peter withdrew his arm to observe the gash as Jack strode forward. Bad form, bad form, Hook! He yelled as Peter grabbed his shoulders, preventing him from going too far. And now we end this, Peter growled viciously, straining for, tor, straining together several slashes that Hook blocked. Together they fenced, Hook constantly retreating until they reached the town square. Hook and Peter's blades co clashed constantly. Captain Hook hurled his blade at Peter's, both of them meeting with a musical note, yet neither withdrew. They both pressed in against the other swords, hoping to overpower the other. Peter winced and swept again, forming on his brow, and, and Hook smiled savagely. Suddenly, the Lost Boys ran up behind Peter, all holding ticking clocks. Ah! Hook cried in distress as he retreated and ran away. More Lost Boys blocked his path with more clocks, and Hook cried again, trapped. Hello, Peter taunted as, his, as Hook ran back to face him. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Hook's afraid of an old dead croc. Their blades met again as Peter took advantage over the frazzled captain. I think not, he continued as he advanced on Hook. I think James Hook is afraid of time, ticking, ticking away. Peter pointed his sword over Hook's head. Tick-tock. With, with a flick of the wrist, Peter tossed Hook's hat off of his head with a gleaming blade. The captain's chapeau landed perfectly on Two Small's head. The bald captain tried vainly to continue the fight, but he quickly lost his sword as Peter spiraled his blade around Hook's rapier. You win, Peter, Hook croaked. Peter's sword inches from his throat. I am fallen. He looked back his hat. Give me my dignity back first. You cut off my hand. I believe you owe me something. Sword grabbed Hook's hat off of Two Small's head and, hat and tossed it to Peter, who gave it to the fallen captain. You killed Rufio, he said. Peter said while 
advancing menacingly. You kidnapped my children. You deserve to die. Carrie in the game guessed. Rufio's dead? Carrie whispered through the teary eyes. Zora placed his arms around her in what hoped he hoped to be a comforting gesture, even though he was just as distraught. I've never lost a friend before, he whispered hoarsely. I guess it was bound to happen sometime, but I never thought it would. Hook's voice suddenly hit them again and gave a reprieve from the grief. Excellent. Good form, Jack, Hook said, reacting to Jack's comment that Hook couldn't hurt them anymore. After all, what would the world be like, he continued, placing his hat back on his head, smiling, without Captain Hook. I want you to take your ship, Peter ordered, and go. I never want to see your face in Neverland again. Peter sheathed his sword and turned his back on Hook, taking his children's hands in his. Let's go home, he said. Captain Hook's expression changed to one of rage as he held out his hand. Another sword came springing out of his coat into his outstretched palm. Fools, he cried, driving Peter into the crocodile's back and placing his blade against his neck. James Hook is Neverland, he breathed on Peter, and none could do anything to stop him for fear of losing Peter. No, Sora thought, not two in one day, and every child will cry as everywhere as they read. Hook said, his voice dripping with malice as he rose his hook. Thus perished Peter Pan. He was about to swing it down when Tink flew in and grabbed the hook, holding it back. Peter flung the sword off of him and grabbed the hook, only to shove it into the deceased crocodile's belly. Everyone could hear a faint roar as the clock came out of the crocodile's mouth, and the boards that held him up started falling down. What is happening? The captain yelled as he was somehow flung back into, onto the ground. The crocodile's head looked down and stared at Hook as it roared, as it roared again. It's still alive, Carrie said, not nah, as the beast began to fall, its jaws opened wide. I want my mummy! James Hook cried as the, as the mouth fell on him, a dust cloud springing up from the shockwave. Sora and the gang approached the gaping mouth as they heard a very loud belch. Hook's gone, Namine said. The message became repeated to everyone present, and all the lost boys and Peter began celebrating, running through the running through the open mouth and around the head. Pan the man, Peter yelled in jubilation until he caught sight of his children and friends. Pan the man, too small, approached Peter and tugged on his shirt. What is it, Peter? He asked. I can't stay and play. It's time for me to go, he answered. He walked up to his kids and looked up. Tink, he asked, looking at the pixie. Make my kids glow. She smiled and sprinkled her magic dust on the two young kids. Kids, Peter said. Just think one happy thought and you'll fly like me. Mommy, Maggie said, smiling at her father. My dad, Jack said in admiration. Peter Pan. They both let out shouts of amazement as they floated off the ground. Take them home, Tink, Peter said. You'll know the way. I'll be right behind you, he called. Peter turned to Sora, Carrie, Roxas, Namine, and Matt. I guess this is it, Sora. Yeah, answered, Sora answered. Once we leave, we'll probably never see each other again. That's okay, Sora, Peter said. Because as long as I live, as long as there's a Neverland, we'll never forget you. And who's to say there won't be another Peter Pan that you'll meet? He then chuckled and ruffled Sora's spiky hair. Glancing at Carrie. Don't do anything stupid, Spiky. Hey, Sora said in offense. Who do you think I am? Peter laughed at him. A teenage boy with a pretty girlfriend. The two teens looked at each other, blushed, and promptly looked away as the whole group laughed. Well, Max said. See you around, Peter. Peter nodded and saluted them as they beamed up back to the high wind. Thank you for believing, Peter said. And that was chapter 13, Rescuing the Children. If you'd like to voice a character in the story, find me on Twitter at AnimeGuy1 or find me on Skype at AnimeGuyKotosaki1. May the grace of the valor protect you.